Hi, and welcome to the Rad Dad Podcast, a podcast by dads for dads. I'm your host, Rob Schilt, joined by my co-host, Salvatore Minervini. What's up? All right, Sal. Now that we got through that, stumbled through it a couple of times. (laughs) This is episode seven, where we're going to talk about bedtimes. Not yours or mine, but your children's. What is an appropriate bedtime? And really based on what age group, I think will dictate that answer. But Sal and I will go into that. We'll also give you another dad lesson. We keep coming. Every episode, we'll give you a dad lesson. They're very important. Pay attention to them. And last but not least, we are going to review Buffalo Trace. A, if you're not familiar with it, you will learn about it later in the episode. So Sal, do you want to start us off on bedtimes? Sure, why not? I will let everybody know that I have a daughter that doesn't like to sleep. <laughs> she has, uh, I got three, three kids, as everybody knows, which I've mentioned in past episodes. My oldest daughter, she is our night owl, doesn't really like to go to bed. My middle daughter is okay when it comes to bedtime, and my youngest, she's hit or miss. Something we've we spoke about in episode two was letting our kids cry it out. My oldest daughter, we let her cry it out, and it worked. First night was started at 8 o'clock. She cried until 10.30 or so, but then it just got later and later. We wouldn't start the crying out session until, until 9.30, 10 o'clock, just so she can get through it and go to bed. Uh, Till this day, my oldest daughter goes to bed late. There's no electronic devices in their rooms past uh, nine o'clock. We tell them if you want to stay up, you can read a book, you can draw, sketch, color, whatever you know, whatever their heart desires. But no electronic devices. We we take that away from them probably just after dinner time. We'll go on a uh, bike ride or something, and then possibly come back and do a, uh, a movie or so. Rob's kids and my kids are polar opposites because. Rob's kids go to bed at like four o'clock in the afternoon and they wake up the next day, (laughs) (laughs) which I wish, I mean, not at four o'clock, it's a little exaggeration, but the the importance of getting the proper amount of sleep, especially when you're that young is, is really important. But as I mentioned, my kids and Rob's kids are polar opposites. How did you continue the strategy of getting your kids to bed early? We pretty much have just kept it status quo since since they've been young my older older guy was always uh eight o'clock and we kept that aligned with the younger guy we didn't make his earlier any earlier obviously once they're out of an infant stage where they're napping three or four times a day the big thing was that we just always kept it status quo the older guy doesn't get a later bedtime so they share a room so when the younger guy goes to bed the older guy goes to bed and it may be slightly unfair for the nine-year-old, but he doesn't really complain. The only times he'll end up complaining really is when he's not tired. Those are the nights that are tough because he'll stay up until nine o'clock. He'll cry a little bit and say, listen, I'm not tired. I don't want to bed. But eventually it's, it's really, he just can't put himself to sleep and he's learning how to cope with that. We did not use the fervor method. We did not cry it out. It's very interesting. And we talked about this in past episodes that my children have different reactions to the fervor method, my my older guy still needs someone to help him put him to bed. My younger guy, around 8 o'clock, he's out. Starts winding down, you can see it coming at 7.30. He gets like very sleepy. You can see him, he wants to cuddle up. And we'll put on a show, a movie or whatever it is. By 7.30, 7.45, you could see him dozing off and not being with it. So I, it may be luck of the draw. It's just we've been very consistent on bedtimes. I didn't want to push it much past eight o'clock. I feel that's, that's adequate at their age. 
because I think once they get into the teens and preteens, it's going to get a, a little bit later for the older guy, and the younger guy is not going to really be able to, to, to hang with him at that point. So the one thing I would say that has worked for us is really taking away the electronics early, around seven-ish, and even TV for that matter. So we don't have TVs in the bedroom either, but even stopping the TV from being on at seven. Now that's a little harder, but we try to do that anyway. I don't know if that would help the girls wind down before their actual bedtime. I think your oldest is a night owl, so you're kind of you know lost on that one. Yeah, she's definitely a night owl. But I mean, I think we are to blame as well because by the time we all wind down as a family, we like to do movie nights. So if it's at a decent time, like 8 o'clock, 8.30, we'll, we'll typically sit in front of the TV and argue for about 45 minutes on who's going to pick what, t- what movie we're going to watch, whether it's going to be a cartoon or a real movie or, or episodes of some crap. And by the time we actually start watching a movie, you know, nine o'clock, nine thirty, my little one is uh, my little one's probably passed out, and, and we decided on, on something. That that tends to happen too. We we like having movies, but the interesting thing is we will end up trying to select it at seven, and if it prolongs too long, like if it gets to seven forty-five, we end up sh- shutting it off, or sometimes we'll let let it run a little longer and maybe let the kids stay up until 8 30 but the problem is is the younger guy by that point is knocked out he's he's exhausted so how do you shut the tv off in the middle of a movie you gotta finish the movie a lot of times we do but if i see my older son getting tired and and ready to go down say hey do you want to pause and we can pick it up tomorrow And, and he says yeah if if he's if he's that tired throughout this whole covid experience have become a little bit more relaxed on eight o'clock, the firm bedtime. We'll let him stay up until nine o'clock. Uh, on numerous occasions we have, I think a lot of it has to do with how much activity they get throughout the day. They, they do wake up early. So if they're up early and they do, they go bike ride and they go for a walk, they do, they do things. In all honesty, they should be exhausted enough that by eight o'clock, it's, it's time to go to bed. To agree though, I, I do like the movie night. But I also think, from my perspective, you need those one or two hours by yourself. I, I agree. I, I tried the whole pause thing. Hey, guys, you know, everybody seems like they're a little tired. Let's pause this and, and we'll start again, uh, you know, tomorrow night. No, we got to finish this. I was the one falling asleep on the couch. That, that's usually the case. If I, I don't know what it is with me. If I sit on the couch, if I come home from work, sit on the couch, I'm done. I don't. I am done. Don't bother me. I'll have dinner and that's it. I'll either sit back on the couch and and have the TV watch me or I'll go to my bed and just lay down because as as you mentioned, I'm, I'm up at, you know, five 30 and out the door by six, six 15. So I I am an early bird, but man, trying to, trying to continue to implement those, the the ways of of keeping my, my kids from going to bed late is just impossible. Because now I said, now they got the nightlight. Yeah, they never had a nightlight before. Now let's keep the, the light on in the closet. So as, you know, they're getting older, it's just going to get worse. It's going to get worse. At least from my perspective, it's like that double-edged sword or that fine line you try to you try to straddle is what works best for your kids 
Now, eight o'clock for a nine-year-old may not be the best solution. It may be, hey, you have a you have a six-year-old and a nine-year-old, and there are different points in their lives, and you know the nine-year-old should be able to stay up until nine o'clock. So far, we've been able to circumvent that battle. And some nights we'll we'll allow it to happen, but other times it's important for yourself and your wife. You have two to three hours before people are going to bed. <laughs> Before you're ready for bed, that you can do those things or read or get things done you can't get done throughout the day. And I think as important it is for the kids to get a full night's sleep, and obviously most of the people on listening to this podcast have probably probably know that kids need a from nine to ten is what the recommended is. But the reality is you need time for yourself. And if you're not getting it in the morning because they're getting up at five or six, they need it in the evening or, or vice versa. And for me, it's putting a really a structured environment in place for hey you go to bed at this time you get up at this time this is this is your routine even if it is seven o'clock hey all the tvs are off you start reading your book in my house throughout the day they have to read for an hour well my older guy has to read for an hour my younger guy has to read two to three books obviously he's younger so two to three books is like five pages of one sentence mostly pictures Mostly pictures, right? Because you're going into leaving kindergarten, going into first grade. The important thing is they're winding down. Maybe it's partially self-inflicted because you do start moving night at 7.30 instead of 6.30 or whatever it is. The one thing you said earlier before we had the technical difficulty that I thought was interesting is we'd love to hear what what you do to put your kids to bed or how you, you, do they have bedtimes? Listeners. We don't have viewers. We have listeners. Sorry, listeners. <laughs> we may have viewers. Listen, we do publish. We do publish to YouTube, so we may have to do an interactive video live stream or something. Who knows? Maybe we get a little crazy around here. <laughs> oh yeah, it does get a little crazy. I got. I got. I'm trying to mute mute the Zoom video while my kids are trying to sign language to me because they want something. Oh, that's part of being a dad, right? Your kids are 20 minutes into their dreams. My kids are still running around. Oh, my God. I tried the tire out method. Like, take, take them somewhere, run them around ragged, and come home and pray that they're tired and ready for bed. It just gets them more energized. It's insane. I don't know what to do. So, I mean, before bed, it's um, you, read, you read your books, you color, you draw, whatever, whatever you do no no chromebook but to, to to your point before that alone time not not only for yourself but but with your significant other that is extremely important what it came down to for my wife and i was 10 minutes at night that she and i got together just before bed we turned the tv on watched something for 10 minutes and you know that was it it was mostly the news you know wait for the weather see what the weather's going to be like for the next day and that was it I, I, I still hear my daughter 1130 at night. I, I can hear her on, on the notepad sketching and drawing. It's like, my God, does she go to bed? That's, I mean, that's going to be great in later, like later in life. If she's that interested in, in drawing or sketching or whatever she pursues in life, it's definitely admirable. But at this age, it's like, all right, you need to, you need to get some sleep. Problem is, is when school starts again, that's when it's going to be a problem. Unless you got the PM. The whole school thing, that was all, that's a whole nother topic. That's, it's so aggravating as to what's going on. But typically, we are very laxed during the summer as far as hours and what time they go to bed. 
But as we get closer to knowing that we're going to school, strict on the time, you know, 9.30, I like to have you know what? nothing. Listen, this podcast has given me so many different ideas on, on future episodes. So do you get lax during summer, right? My, I have opinions about that, and, then, and it worries me about getting lax in summer. We can talk about it on another podcast. There were a couple others that resonated with me that I was thinking of quickly as we were talking through this about bedtimes. So <laughs> nice, Sal. So do you allow for do you allow for TVs in your room? But if you don't have a TV in your room, we both say no, right? We both agree, but we allow the hell no, no TV allow them, in the room. But does it matter because you allow them to have Chromebooks, iPads, whatever else they have? So I think what I'm saying is that's another episode we can go into and start talking about. Hey, when we were kids, there was no TVs in the room, at least in my house, and I I know some kids were allowed, but most my friends didn't have TVs. This day and age, you don't need a TV. That's the best part. Yeah, but see, their electronics are in my room before they go to their rooms. They wash up, they go to wherever they hide their electronics, and they bring them and drop them off. They check it in at my room. So that's interesting. And off to bed they are. Both my kids have iPad. Both my kids have switches. The older guy has a Chromebook. We have switches too, light switches. No, so Nintendo switches. They don't even. Oh, they have them. They barely play with them. But I'm just saying, they have. My older guy has three different devices. It's amazing. My younger guy has two. Future computer programmer? No, they play games. I, I don't think so. I, Nico was writing stories today, which was very interesting. I'm not sure if he was mocking me or if he was actually interesting. He wrote three short stories. Today. About him daddy? And, no, it was about him and his brother. And. And dragons and something else. I don't know what else it was, but oh, it was it was, cool. it was creative because he used up his Fortnite time, and I told him you have to do something creative, or so I, I think I used creative. So he came up with writing three stories. So, but I definitely think there's good content in this in this episode that can end up resulting in future episodes, just because I think they're to- topics that everybody, all parents, have to deal with, and it's. It's definitely interesting. And listen, we're not. Let, let, let me add to that. Let me, let me just. Yeah. If, if whoever's listening, if you guys have a topic that you'd like for Rob yes. and I to discuss, just hit us up. We'll, we'll uh, if it's something that affected both Rob and I, we'll be more than happy to talk about it and give our opinions. And um, even if it didn't, we'd still give you our opinions because we're very opinionated people and we just want to listen to ourselves talk. Or at least I do. Opinions are like assholes. Everybody has one, right? That's right. At the, at, the, at the end of the day, being a father, being a dad, being a role model for your child, it becomes trial and error. It's what works for you, what you've done to successfully raise your child, to successfully implement the rules and regulations of your household that they abide by. Some parents are stricter than others. It's what works for them. It's, there's no right and wrong, in my opinion. You know, just because Joe Blow down the block lets his five-year-old kid start riding his bike to uh, Mohegan Sun, <laughs> if he's okay with that, hey, doesn't make him a bad person, doesn't make him a bad father. That's something that, that him oh, and his, his... That his, may, considering that's like a six-hour car ride. <laughs> Not exactly sure how long it would take by bike, but I'm pretty sure that would make him kind of maybe on Dyfus and the police is... Uh, what what's Dyfus? 
know. What does it stand for? I don't even know. Department of something, something. Yes, yeah, no, I'm just kidding. I know, I know. But I mean, it, it, I, to me, honestly, I think it's all what works for you. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're doing something bad. You're probably doing something extremely well if it's yeah. working for you. That's great. Stick to it. Um, and there's there's people that read books, lots of books. My child is not behaving. Let me go read a book and find out why. Sometimes it's not the child. Sometimes it's the parent. My wife tells me that all the time. <laughs> That's the thing. Like you have to realize, and this is something that gets discussed in our house a lot. And again, this is another episode that episode that I would love to pursue is the relationship that each parent has with the child will differ in how you parent each of those children. My wife can yell at my kids, but when daddy yells at the kids, it's a much different reaction. It's a much, much different reaction. Kids see it that way and that, that's what they do. They end up seeing it that way. And it's in all honesty, a lot less to do with the children, but it's more about how the parent handles situations and handles them effectively to parent the child. And the one thing I, I, you said earlier is, Parenting is about how your children can follow your rules and, and, you know, adapt to them. I think parenting is, I don't want to have any dissent, Sal, but I think parenting, from my perspective, preparing your children for life and putting those guardrails there so that they can be a productive contributor to society. And that sounds very generic, very, I don't know if you want to say liberal, conservative, whatever, but it's more about putting putting your children in a good position to succeed at the end of the day well you, you you lay out the path for them it's like the saying goes you can lead a horse to water but you can't force the horse to drink this is true so you're, you're laying the path out for them they're going to make good decisions and bad decisions the bad decisions hopefully i would like to think that they're going to learn from they're going to say you know damn i mean that, i'm not going to do that again that hurt you know or uh, I failed in that one. I'm going to try something else. Yep. So, yes, I, I'm going to agree. We, we are here to guide them, to, to, to lay out a path for them. Not every child is going to follow that path. Uh, you know, there's going to be some children that are going to be defiant and say, damn it, you lay out your own path. I'm going to lay out my own. I'm going to do my thing. And, and there are some headstrong children out there that, that want to do it themselves. They want to figure it out themselves. And it's wonderful, man. It, they turn out to be successful. Yep. Uh, those, those are the leaders in the world. You know, they don't want to be sheep. They don't want to be followers. They want to say, damn it, I'm going to do this myself. You're going to see what I'm going to do. You can continue to lay your path over there, but I'm going this direction. I want to find out what's down this way. And, you know, they may stumble and fall along the way and, and, and little bumps and bruises and, and scrapes and cuts, but they get up, stand up, and, 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 and they keep going. And that, that's important. They can drown out the noise. They can uh, not hear the naysayers and they just keep fighting and, and, and doing what they got to do. It's true. My, my middle daughter is so headstrong, so determined to do things a certain way and at a certain time. And I'm hoping that that, that attitude helps her in the future. Right now it's killing us. <laughs> that's, a, that's like my oldest guy is very persistent. He won't let it go. If he doesn't get his way, he wants, he'll keep asking until you either give in or you give him a reason why he can't do that. And it drives us nuts. But in the long run, it's going to be a skill that's going to hopefully allow him to succeed. 
Yes, it is time. But do we have a dad lesson for today? We do have a dad lesson for today. And when, when Rob was referring to that it is time, it is time to taste the bourbon. But before we do that, we have a dad lesson. And our dad lesson is no food after 7.30 p.m. That is the rule in my house. No food after 7.30. Yeah, does that work? <laughs> <laughs> Depends on if we're watching a movie or not. <laughs> I mean, what was it, two weeks ago when I was, three weeks ago when I was over there and there was Chinese food being eaten at like <laughs> <laughs> So whenever we're watching a movie, of course, that involves um, uh, 75 bags of popcorn. But we try to keep that rule, no eating after 7.30. But look, as we speak right now, as we're recording, there's a little gremlin in my kitchen in the refrigerator taking something out to eat. The oldest? Like we said, I don't know. They haven't poked their head out. <laughs> uh, we're very laxed in the summertime. Come school year, that's when, uh, that's when we drop the hammer. So we don't have a time they can't eat after, but it's definitely, it's around 7.30 because they go to bed at 8 o'clock. So what we've realized also is that our youngest will actually confuse being tired and being hungry, which is something to keep an eye on too, is that you can see around 7.30, he's getting tired, but he's like, I'm hungry. I'm like, you're not hungry, you're tired. And he gets it confused at times. So I think that was This is good. where we pause. Just to let everybody know, we are tasting Buffalo Trace, Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. We're going to pause for a brief moment. We'll be right back and let you know uh, what we think. Sounds good. As we said before we broke for our tasting, we tonight are trying Buffalo Trace. I want to lead into that Buffalo Trace was one of the first bourbons I've ever, I ever tried when I was first. I had it in New York on the rocks for like $14. Now, once we go through the markup of what Buffalo Trace is, the, the mash, the color, the price, understand that that price in is ridiculous. I understand it's New York City, but it's still ridiculous. That Buffalo Trace on their bottle, on their label, talks about how important buffaloes were to the American settlers moving out west, how important it was obviously to the Native Americans who were here well before any European settlers came came to. I think that's incredibly important to our history. Well, it means nothing about the bourbon. I think the company is taking advantage of the name, so do so many other companies. I love the um, almost ripped label that shows the buffalo on it. The Buffalo Trace logo is, is very nice. The label, while it is informative about what the early pioneers settled here and how buffaloes were important doesn't really give us a lot about the actual alcohol that we are consuming it doesn't tell you the mash makeup it doesn't really tell you anything else that some, some of the other labels do hey rob as you're staring at that label um look at the look at the picture of the buffalo is that his schwanz that they got in there i think it's one nut <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's interesting. I didn't even notice that, but yes. <laughs> Sorry. I, I, mean, uh, I kind of I kind of screwed the mood there. I still love this bourbon. I really do. And I, Sal will give you the breakdown of the bourbon, unless you want me to do it. So I'll go through this because I have a – I'm not going to give my rating. I'm going to let Sal give the rating first, but I'll at least read off our bourbon whiskey review, which was prepared by Sal. Let's give credit where credit is due. Sal does all these write-ups for us beforehand 
with the same information. So the alcohol classification, this is a Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. And for those of you who know or don't know, whiskey with in the U.S. is spelled with an E-Y. The distillery is Buffalo Trace. The proof is 90, which is less than, if you remember from our last episode, less than a bottled and bond, which is required to be 100 proof. Interesting thing about Buffalo Trace, it is aged at least eight years. Now, Buffalo Trace Distillery is a large distillery, but still eight years is a long time from a product life cycle perspective. That means from the time they actually make the bourbon, it sits in a barrel for eight friggin' years, okay? Hoping that at the end of eight years, it's something worthy to drink. That's true, right? At the end of eight years, maybe shit, and they may have to dump it. Now, I just wanna let everybody know that's listening, I tried doing the, the research on the Buffalo Trace um, information, and, and it was very difficult trying to find some information. There was the, the age, at least eight years, I'm not sure if that's 100%. That's not even on Buffalo Trace's website. I found that somewhere else. So this one was a little, a little bit difficult doing some uh, research on. But for the most part, we try to, we try to provide everyone with 100% correct information. Again, the label doesn't have it. So it makes it very difficult for us to tell. So the mash bill is 51% corn, approximately 10% rye. The color, which is interesting, so we were, we actually had a, a longer than anticipated break because we were debating the color. So the color on Buffalo Trace's website actually says deep amber. Now, when we were talking about it, we went back and forth. We found a, a grid that we're going to use go forward on what the color of this bourbon actually is. As we were going through it, we, we said this really isn't deep amber. This more looks like a medium amber to us. And I think that's what I'm going to go with. I'm even looking at the bottle right now. Sal can see me looking at the bottle, even though we're in, we're going through Zoom. I'm more of a medium amber, and I think Sal and I were in agreement that really this is more medium amber. A caramel, like more of a caramel color. Yeah, I think so along the same color, color chart. Whatever your heart desires. So then the price point that we, we also talked about is we've seen it from and we've heard from other people. Price point in Buffalo Trace can be from $20 to $40. Again, remind you, I said at the beginning of this little dialogue that I actually drank it for $14 on the rocks. I think it was in a sushi bar in New York City. How many of those little shots can they get from this bottle? Significant amount, probably about 20. So they're making their markup. The aroma is a, a vanilla, almost sweet flavor to it. It is by far probably one of my most favorite bourbons that I've ever tried. Even to this day, I've been drinking bourbon for a long time. I've tried a lot of different bourbons. There's bourbons I I honestly don't like at all. Rye, some rye I don't like. Last weekend realized there are a couple of rye I do like, which is contrary to what I previously said, but this is sweet. This goes down so smoothly. You can taste the brown sugar and there's a little oakiness to it. The other thing is there's a slight burn. It's a very, very slight burn that goes down the palate and it, and it really opens up into your chest. It is very, very, it's one of my favorites. It is, and I'm so biased. So with all of that said, I'm going to let Sal give his opinion before I give my rating, because when we talk off air, as we're tasting it, we were more tasting about the, the taste, the aromas, making sure our notes are all 
all aligned. We don't talk about our rating because it's important that it is really done on the fly. I've already tipped my hand saying this is one of my favorites. When I drink bourbon, I like bourbon. I'm not really going to be an old-fashioned guy. We had a party a week ago, two weeks ago, where someone made a bourbon drink. It was fantastic. But for me, if I'm drinking bourbon, I like bourbon on the rocks. I don't need a Manhattan. I'd rather just go, if we're going to a bar, nothing fancy. I want my bourbon on the rocks. If it's a, if it's a nice bar and they keep like a Buffalo Trace, or and this is a, a moderately priced bottle, or they keep something fancier, I'll be going with that. Sal, what are your thoughts on Buffalo Trace? I'm going to pour myself a little more. You don't mind. So I think you, you, you passed the price point. Um, forgot to mention the price point. So depending on your location, you can see it as cheap as $20 or as expensive as $40. Was that me or the bourbon that you're drinking? So, I don't know, but I definitely said it. I'm pretty sure. I even had a visitor who probably could even corroborate my story. Let's go back to the videotape. Videotape confirmed. Sal was wrong. The price point was stated. I'm going to echo uh, Rob's aromas, the vanilla sweetness of the, uh, of the bourbon. Uh, tasting notes, it's sweet to the taste. Uh, there's some vanilla in it. You can taste some brown sugar. And if there's some oak that comes through, depending on how you're, you're drinking it and you're, and you're breathing, you'll get that oak flavor. I do like Buffalo Trace. If I drink during the week, I'll, drink, uh, I'll hit the Buffalo Trace bottle. But I do make Manhattans and old fashions with my Buffalo Trace. That's about the only bourbon I use to make mixed drinks. I won't use anything else, typically Buffalo Trace. So I'll have one or two bottles on hand most of the time. How could Sal do that to the Buffalo Trace? Getting to my rank. So as everybody knows, we rank the bourbons from uh, one to 10. Uh, I am going to have to rank the Buffalo Trace. I'm gonna give it a, 4.9. What? Rob just fell off his chair. <laughs> I think I just woke up the boys. A 4.9? Hold on. Yes. This bottle, which you just went through and said, you keep two bottles on hand, so it's a nice evening sipping bourbon. You make Manhattans and Old Fashions out of it, but you give it a 49 I give it a 4.9. I give it almost a 50%. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's look, man, there's, there's other bourbons out there that I've had that are up there. You know, that, that just, wow. Knocks my socks off. This you still like the Schwanz. You, you like the Schwanz on the you. label, don't you? And I'm literally pointing <laughs> to his Schwanz. With that 4. reaction, I, I can't wait. I can't wait to hear your, your ranking. What do you give? Wow. I told you in our, in our off air uh, production meeting, that happened uh, behind in, the scenes, you know, behind the scenes, that this was going to be the first bourbon that I ranked above five. And I haven't ranked anything above five. I mean, we didn't even rank Widow Jane, so we're going to have to go back to that. 4.9, this guy, holy mackerel. I can't wait to see what he ranks Widow Jane. And I was even hesitant, but listen, I, Buffalo Trace. Hey, look, so, it doesn't make you wrong. It, it all depends on what you like. No, no, no I know. know. But so Buffalo Trace, is by far probably one of the best tasting bourbons I've, I've had. And I think it's, if you like a sweet bourbon, it is definitely the bourbon for you. If you're an introductory bourbon taster or you haven't really experienced a lot of bourbon, you should experience Buffalo Trace because it will give you a different perspective. It doesn't have the burn of bottle and bond. In my opinion, my humble crappy palate opinion, Buffalo Trace is probably for the price point, 
Because you got to take price point into consideration. It's just not about the taste and the aroma. So it is not a complex bourbon. That's that's first. For me, it's it's, it's a very simple bourbon. It has a sweet aroma, has a little spice to it, very mild spice to it, but a, a little spice. If you want something that's going to burn your esophagus on its way down, go to Bottled and Bond or something else that's jacked up in, in alcohol mm, content. Something that'll burn your soul. Yeah. This is a nice heat that comes through. It's it's a perfect sipping bourbon. I don't drink a lot of bourbons, honestly, neat most of the time. I usually have an ice cube. What is it? Top shelf balls in my mouth. So that's top shelf, top shelf balls. Top shelf balls. So coming to a store near you, liquor store near you. So this bourbon, I feel like you can drink neat. Most people with, again, I don't have a sophisticated palate, but I feel like most people can drink it neat. I'm obviously spending a lot of time justifying my my rating. I honestly feel like Buffalo Trace, the price point, the the simplicity of the taste. Rob, are you gonna pussyfoot around this ranking for I am gonna minutes? give it a seven point five. Wow. Seven five. Seven five. I I enjoy Buffalo Trace. I think it's a phenomenal right. listen, we we had people over a couple of week, weeks ago and we brought out the Buffalo Trace and everyone was drinking it. Even the guy who doesn't drink bourbon, who doesn't remember the day. Just, hey, look, that, that ranking doesn't make you a bad guy. It makes me a very big fan of Buffalo Trace. So Buffalo Trace, if you're listening out there, come on, man. We need some sponsorships. We'll come down, do a distillery tour. We can leave Sal at home. That's fine. It's four points. Hey, that, 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 speaking of sponsorships, you forgot to tell everybody who we're sponsored by this week. Yeah, nobody still. <laughs> we're, at, we're at episode seven. If I'm wrong, nobody. That's fine. It's all good. Good things come to those who wait. That's right. And for those of you listening, subscribe to this motherfucking podcast. Let's go. So, uh, this is definitely, listen, there's definitely, there's going to be differences between me and Sal. This is obviously one of them. I'll go over his house and relieve him of all the Buffalo Trace. That's not a problem. All right. So, we got to make a rule. When we're tasting, you can only have one glass because you're onto your second glass, and I can st you're starting to slur your words. I don't think I am. <laughs> third glass. Didn't we go through the last week when we went yes, through we did. Rip and we couldn't even get through the reading? That was, it was hysterical. I, I hope people actually listen to that episode because that end, as I was editing it, I was laughing myself because I was like, I can't even cut this out. It's just hysterical. It was so funny. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening. Tune in to our next episode where we talk about going back to school during COVID. Is it going to happen? That's the big question. If you like what you heard, smash the follow or subscribe button. And be sure to follow us or like us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, iTunes, Podbean, Googlecast, Pandora, YouTube, and Spotify. Holy shit, that's a lot. If you have any questions, feel free to hit us up at theraddadsshow at gmail.com. And that's a wrap. Thanks, everybody. See you next episode. <laughs>